Have you, a friend, or family member ever considered writing a book and getting it published? Well, I have the perfect idea for you. You should contact Wasteland Press. Wasteland Press is a self-publishing book company, and since they started in 2000, they have published over 4,000 book titles. That's right, over 4,000 book titles, and they make money from your book, not you, and they work for you non-stop, full-time. You can sell your free copies when it's all said and done to make an investment off of your book, and there is no other publishing company that can offer that. They provide full-service publishing for you and your book, which includes the cover design and formatting. And they also have a plan that can fit your budget, which includes the basic plan, the silver plan, the gold plan, the platinum plan, and the ultimate plan. If you want to find out more about these plans, you can contact them at 502-437-0860. That's 502-437-0860. And if you want to request a publishing guide, you can contact them at wastelandpress.net. Do it. You won't regret it. Make your dreams come true with Wasteland Press. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Goff, and Kentucky lost last night, of course, to Tennessee 81-73. That's going to be the main talking point in this episode, of course. Literally, there is quite a lot to take away from that game. There's a little scuffle, not really a scuffle, but words traded back and forth between a certain player and a certain coach last night that's also got, really got big, like, into the public today. Everyone knows about it, it feels like, except if you don't know about it, then definitely, you know, again, I'll be talking about it, and because it's huge. I think it matters, especially at this point in the season. And in the last episode I had said that I wanted to talk about Louisville a little bit so I never got around to it so I definitely want to get to Louisville today and really the major difference that I kind of see between them and UK at this point and if I could if I think that they can make a deep run or not and also of course NCAA tournament because with Kentucky's loss last night Whereas before the game, Kentucky was looking pretty well set up. If they won out the regular season, and even if they lost in the conference tournament finals, they are looking pretty well set up to be a two-seed and then see a tournament with a chance of having like a Gonzaga or a San Diego State as your one-seed. Now, with the loss last night, they may be a three-seed, depending on how the rest of the season goes, or a four-seed. So, those are the three major talking points today, and a lot of it, of course, is going to heavily focus on Kentucky, because what happened last night was a big deal. And at first glance, if you just saw the box score, and you didn't watch the game, you're probably like, well, did Tennessee just play better? And the point of the matter is, no, they didn't. It's just a factor that we built up a 17-point lead. And we just blew it out of thin air. I mean, I was at Cane's waiting for my food, and we were up 17, felt pretty good on the way home. 
was listening to it on the radio. And Tennessee, slowly but surely, starting to come back. And like everyone else that was watching it, was like, well, what the hell is happening? Why are we letting this happen? And people have to understand if you haven't heard what transpired last night, what had happened last night, there, I mean, there was more than meets the eye. It was more than just Kentucky giving up a lead, just not playing tough. There's more to it. And what had happened, well, before I get to that, I want to talk about a couple things. First off, Nick Richards, you could tell me he had 12 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 blocks. That's great. You know, of course, I've said this before, there was a time where we were just begging for a game to have a Nick, or begging a game to have, you know, Nick score 12 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks. I mean, that's expected of him now, considering how he's played this year. Again, you give me that stat line, that's great and everything, but if you look at how he played, not just on, on an offensive level, but on his defense, it was bad. It was really bad. You let John Fulkerson <laughs> score 27 points on you for most of the night, and then you get switched to Pons on Tennessee, and then Pons eats you alive as well. So you had two players who ate, just ate Nick up last night on, on, um, on defense. Nick couldn't do anything. And I don't want to be too negative on him, mostly because of how he's played this year. He was kind of one of the good stories of college basketball this year, really coming into his own as a, uh, as a here at Kentucky. And honestly, we don't win a lot of games this year without him. So I'm not going to harp too much on him because ultimately I just don't. He was, I mean, played terrible defense. But at the end of the day, I don't think it was his fault. You know, just John Fulkerson and and the uh, Ponds player for Tennessee. Just, I mean, they just led Tennessee. Mostly it was Fulkerson. And then it, it was just, again, just bad defense on Nick's part. And it's one of the reasons why we lost. But I don't think it's ultimately the main reason. So that's all on Nick. And then Ashton. I mean, he's kind of checked out. I mean, what he offers you on the defensive side is unmatched to almost any other player he's up for national defensive player of the year honors and that's very well earned what he does on a defensive level is elite and there's not a lot of other players that match what he does on defensive layer if any but his play on offense has been awful even in the Auburn game where we won I mean he was taking step back threes when we didn't need it this game against Tennessee he was taking shots that we didn't need and not just these Past two games, he's just, it seems like for the last month and a half, he's kind of checked out. He hasn't been himself. And what I'm wondering is why? Why has Ashton checked out? Why hasn't he been playing well? Why doesn't he seem like where he was at the beginning of the season? Or even during some games like against Georgia, where he's going off for, what, 26 points? So, Ash again, Ashton hasn't been playing great, and I'm just sitting here. I think a lot of UK fans are just wondering, well, why? What's what's wrong with him? And here's the thing: what happened last night, I think, kind of showcased what's been going on. And 
again, there's just there's a lot more, and I'm, I'll get to it. So yeah, Ashton didn't play well last night. Nick, you know, again, twelve points and rebounds, great, but was awful on the defensive side. Uh, Emmanuel quickly. I mean, the past two games we won against Auburn. That's fine, but last couple of games he hasn't shot well. He had 15 points last night, which is okay, but but Jordy ever came in from a free throw line. He went, I think, 5 for 16 from, from the field. So, yeah, I mean, Manuel needs to start playing better again. I mean, he just it doesn't look like he's been himself the past couple of nights either. And here, I mean, you could also argue, I mean, Emmanuel just, he has games at home where he doesn't shoot well, and that's kind of been trained all season. So what, so leading off to what, or leading to kind of what happened last night and my general thoughts about it, because again, this is a big story and I think it's definitely going to be something to think about the next two weeks up until Selection Sunday, until the SEC tournament's over. Maybe even before it starts. And of course, look into it before Saturday when we play Florida at in the swamp. The one thing you could say about this Kentucky team that while they don't blow anyone out, they had this composure to them when thing even if they blew a lead, even if the game was close, they did they had this composure to them, they had this edge to them that they made the right play to win the game and they made the right got the right shot to win the game. And you could argue this was started with them going back to the Louisville game where we just, again, we just had this certain edge to this team that they, no matter what, they were determined to win. They knew how to win. Even if it wasn't about big margin, they got the job done. You could, you could make, you could say that about this team ever since the Louisville game. Most importantly, the start of the SEC play. Last night, first half looked great. It was probably the the first twenty three minutes last night were some of the best offense that we've had all year. And legitimately, I was thinking, you know what, you know, it's March. It was March third at the time, and I was thinking, you know what, it's March. This team is just it's it's just starting. This team has finally. I thought they were already starting to figure out, but I was like, this team has fully. Figured it out, and I legitimately, legitimately thought Kentucky was going to blow out Tennessee again at home. In the second half, we built up the lead to fifty-one thirty-four. And at that moment, I, um, I was I felt pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie. I felt good about this team. I was I was hyped. And I was excited, and it was and mo- and it was just you know a game where where we hadn't really blown anyone out. Uh, if we blew out Tennessee, a team we all hate, it's just gonna be a feel good night, senior night for Nate Sestina. A night where again we finally blow someone out, and that's someone's Tennessee. And it's, again, just all around a pretty good night. And then. Tennessee comes back, and 
And if you notice, this Kentucky team, and starting about the 16-minute mark of the second half, didn't look like the team we have seen the past eight games, or really ever since Louisville. Even against the losses against South Carolina and Auburn, you could argue, well, they just got beat. You know, they still had their heads on straight. They just got beat. Now, this 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 second half of this game was different. We Kentucky did not again did not have that same composure that we have grown to see from them. They didn't have the same edge to them. They just they didn't look like themselves last night. I like many other fans were wondering why are we collapsing this bad? Because usually we've given up leads. I mean, we've seen it all year. We've given up leads. Even though we've given up leads, majority of the time, we stay composed, take a timeout, regroup, make a three or two, and stay get, keep the lead. We saw it against Texas A&M when we had a big lead against them. Texas A&M was starting to come back, and then boom, Emmanuel quickly hits a three. We're fine. But... This, I mean, this, again, this game, it was different. There was something off about him. And again, me, like any other any other fans, why are wondering why are we collapsing? Why is it this bad? So this leads me again to what happened between Ashton Hagens and Coach Cal last night. This is a, again, I've seen, you know, I've said this, this is an interesting, pretty damn interesting story. And then definitely something to look into and keep your, I mean, just keep, keep your eyes peeled on this story. So I was listening to the KSR postgame show last night. Most of the time I do that because I, I want to, after, especially after a loss like that, I want to be, I want to feel better. I want to feel, you know, I want to, you know, try to get an explanation why? I mean, why we lost. And then sometimes a caller comes in with scoop. Where maybe he was at the game, he saw something that wasn't on TV, and but it was very important. So he, this caller was at the game. He said that he sits around where Papa John Schnatter or Slider, I can't even say his name, uh, where Papa just Papa John, where he usually sits, where has been sitting in these games, and he saw um, Coach Cal and Ashton Higgins trade some words with each other. Where basically, at the once Kentucky went up fifty one thirty four. Well, actually, let's let's back it up a bit. So. Start of the of the second half, Ashton already had two fouls. He fouls quickly, and then he gets immediately put back on the bench. So we we Ashton's still on the bench. We're up fifty one thirty four. Cal tells Ashton to get back in the game, and Ashton's actually for whatever reason he is refusing to get back in the game. And 
Ashton's like, you know, refusing, and he's like, well, I'm not going to go back in the game if you're just going to um, um, take me back out. And then Cal proceeded to say, and a video was sent to Matt Jones today and confirmed Cal said either you go in the game or you go to the locker room. That was the gist of what he said. And then you'll notice, and he said, if you notice, I was, you know, I watched Ashton the rest of the game. Was off the whole game, wasn't himself, wasn't playing with any hustle. And then that also resulted in the rest of the team also not playing great. There was also a video that was put on social media of Ashton and Nick also throwing or trading some words with each other. Where Ashton kept saying to Nick, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. He kept repeating it. So when you play, when you look at it in this context, when you look at it from from this standpoint, then yeah, this is the reason why Kentucky lost last night. Especially considering I, that this had an impact, an impact on not only Ashton, but the rest of the team. Quickly didn't shoot well. Tyreek's had a down second half. Nick didn't play well. This obviously had an impact on the rest of the team. In Tennessee, it's, this all started once we got up 17. And after this altercation, Tennessee started coming back. And there are some reports even saying that a strength coach on UK's bench even had some words with Ashton last night. So again, if you look at it from the from that story, what had happened, then yeah, this is again why we why we collapsed so badly last night. And of course, I have some thoughts about it. Um, first of all. If is this would be different if this was earlier in the season. This was a couple months ago, maybe December. This may have may have not been that big of a deal because there's months to grow from it, right? Well, here's the thing. It's March fourth now. We're less than two weeks away from selection Sunday, and then we're having shouting matches between a player and a coach. Right before an, a tournament where if you lose, you're out. You're done for the season. So, I I would like to think that everything's going to be okay. I would like to think maybe Cal takes Ashton to his office. They have some words and all is well. You know, they hug it out. As Michael Scott greatly said to Dwight Schrute, hug it out, bitch. Hopefully, I mean, of course, Cal doesn't need to say those words, but basically, you know, Cal and Ashton, you know, they just, they kind of, you know, regroup and get, you know, get, you know, get the, you know, get back on the saddle, you know, get ready for a tournament. So, Again, that's initially my thoughts. Is I the I'm I don't think we should be having these problems this late into the season. 
Again, you want to hope for the best. You hope that they can, you know, they fix whatever happened last night. But there's no reason, there's no excuse for what happened last night. There are people. There are people that will do that. They're going to make up excuses, and for how he played. But at the end of the day, there's just there's no excuse. There's no reason. Up seventeen. Everything should be good. There's no reason for Ashton to be pouting after he gets taken out of a game when we're playing the best basketball so far this season. And then we blow a 17-point lead. So, again, that's my initial thoughts about it. And, you know, people are going to, you know, really, really harp on the kid. There's going to be some people that take up form. People are going to, some people might harp on Coach Cal. Um, I'm, I'm more, coming from a 20-year-old kid, I'm really, I'm more on Cal's side and the fact that you can't be pouting on the bench. Because, honestly, that's just, that's me basketball. A person who who doesn't have the team's goals in mind, that doesn't have the team in mind, just thinks about himself. So, and if a coach tells you to go back in the game, then you should go back in the game. No questions asked. Keep your head focused and go out and win the game. That didn't happen. I mean, Ashton pouted. He had a you know a hood over him. Um, he just looked. I mean, he just again pouted. I mean, he was just a little a twenty year old kid like me. Now, going back to what I had said earlier about Ashton not playing well for the past month and a half. Maybe shorter, but basically last month. If you look at, if you think about it, before the season, everyone was talking about Ashton and EJ Montgomery. No one was really talking about Manuel Quickly. No one was really talking about Nick Richards. I mean, the the cover of, of the Cats Illustrated magazine had Ashton and EJ. And that's all everyone really talked about. This was, before the season... People felt as if this was Ashton's team. People felt that EJ was going to make a P.J. Washington-esque jump from freshman to sophomore year. Obviously, at first, I thought this was Ashton's team. Slowly, but surely, it's kind of been turned into a Emmanuel Quigley and Nick Richards team. Again, obviously, EJ hasn't turned into the player that we expected him to be, but he still gives you something, of course, but still not quite the player we th- everyone thought he was going to be this year. But going back to Ashton, I think that has to take a hit. As far as, you know, you thought you were going to be the best player of the team, you're probably not the best player on the team, and then you're not getting, first of all, you're not getting attention, Everyone's talking about Nick. Everyone's talking about Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, there's pick Nick and quick campaigns going on for All-American and all that. So I have to obviously think 
if you look at it like that, if you look at it in that context of what happened last night, then, yeah, I mean, Ashton, I just feel, ever since the emergence of Emmanuel Quigley, I feel like Ashton's been, feels like, I feel like Ashton feels like that he's been kind of left in the dust a bit. And that people don't, are starting not to value Ashton as much. And then people kept saying, I know put on so all over social media, they kept saying, well, we, our lead collapsed when, um, or we built up a lead with at majority of the time with Ashton on, actually on the bench. That's very true. That did happen. So, yeah, I feel like Ashton thinks he's been left in the dust. No one's really talking about him. No one's giving him any credit. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's just... I just feel like he, that takes a big ego hit for him. Someone who obviously has NBA aspirations. Again... As a fan, you can only hope for the best. I mean, of course, everything could just completely fall apart after this. Team doesn't care anymore. Lose out early in the SEC tournament, maybe even lose out early in the in the NCAA tournament. Who knows? But I will say this wasn't a good look last night on either side for Coach Cow and for Ashton and the rest of the team. I mean, if you look at it, Coach Cow, I mean, he didn't even do his. Uh, a post-game interview like he usually does. He didn't even do that. So, and if you notice, he did a kind of a, he did a, people saw who, you know, Matt Jones said, like, you know, after the game, you saw him do, I can't remember if it was a post-game conference or whatever, but he just, he said he looked disheveled. He just didn't look like, because usually after a loss, Cal will, you know, sprinkle some fairy dust on the fans and say, you know, we're going to be okay, but he just, he didn't seem the same. So, this took a hit on everybody on the team, Coach Kyle included, and definitely be a story to look into, especially going into this weekend as they play Florida on whether or not, if I were Cal and Ashton talked to me like that, I'd probably bench him the next game. I wouldn't care what Ashton thought about it. I wouldn't care what the rest of the team thought about it. You just Ashton's coming off the bench next game if I were Cal. That's just me. So moving on to Louisville. Oh, and um, actually, before I get to Louisville, um, NCAA tournament seating. Again, Kentucky was looking really good at being a two seed. It was like a very strong possibility that they were going to get two seed. And before the game last night, Kentucky fans had a strong argument for the selection committee that they're a, a, a very good two seat. Where it was, it, I mean, it was just going to be almost impossible not to give a two seat to Kentucky. Now with this loss, what ha- what happened last night? This gives the selection committee more of a reason to not give us a two seed. 
it gives them the selection committee to make a make a choice to actually move us make us a three seed and po- quite possibly a four seed or worse depending on how the rest of the season goes of course I think the only way we get a three seed we beat Florida on Saturday and win the SEC tournament I think we're pretty locked in for a three seed but again, I, that's the only way I think we get a three seed. If we lose to Ford on Saturday, if we lose in the conference finals, um, I think we might get a four seed. Well, I, actually, may, if we lose to Ford and we make it to the conference finals, maybe we get a three seed. But I just don't see it. I think it ultimately we would get a four seed in that situation. But. What happened last night? Our law—I mean, Kentucky's loss last night, man. That's just big, major ramifications. And when we were talking about four, I mean, there's no teams where you're really—you're not really scared of anyone, but there are teams you would rather not play until at least the final four or the championship. Kansas being one of those teams, obviously. And I'm just saying, there's a a decent chance as a three or four seed. To be paired with someone like Kansas, and knowing Kentucky's luck, we'd be paired with Kansas. We'd be paired for and paired with Duke as a two seed. So, yeah, last night had some pretty big ramifications. And the thing is, I mean, Kentucky was playing for seeding in the NCAA tournament. That's all the the rest of the regular season in the SEC. Um, conference tournament was all about seeding because it didn't matter if we because even if we lost against four if we you know lose to um, Tennessee lose to Florida we still have the one seed we still would outright win the we've already won the SEC regular season and we were going to be a one seed anyway, regardless. So, again, we weren't, the rest of the SEC didn't matter, but we were playing for good seeding, and now that gets thrown out of the window. A two seed is now completely out the window. The only chance we get a two seed is if a, a team that's currently a two seed right now just completely falls apart. But I don't see that happening with very little time left remaining on the regular season. So that's just my takes about the um, the Kentucky game last night. It was obviously a bad loss. I was not too happy about it, to be honest. It was been a while since, honestly, since I've been really that pissed about a game. And I think everyone was pretty upset. And I was really confused because I was wondering what happened. Then when I learned about what happened with Ashton and Coach Cal, it just puts everything together for me. And if you look into it, hopefully, you know, it kind of puts the puzzle pieces together for you too. If you, um, if you, you know, look what happened, look at what happened, of course. 
So Louisville, I guess, you know, I'll finish the rest of the, the show with Louisville, is that they've, a team that I feel like may have peaked early. And the fact that, you know, they got off to a bad start, you know, they lost a four out of the gate, but then they were in, like, what, an 11-game win streak? And I was talking to my mentor um, over at Froggy in the radio business, um, Brett Wofford. And, you know, I asked him over the weekend. I was like, you know, because he went to Louisville. He's a big UofL fan. And I asked him, you know, did, I mean, do you feel confident in this Louisville team going into a tournament? And he was like, no. He said, you know, even, he, you know, he also said that this team, he feels like this team kind of peaked early and that, you know, that they, they just, they're, they just, they're not playing, he, you know, when they play their, at the greatest, they're great, but when they play at the lowest, they're, you know, they're really low. So even some Louisville fans, I don't think, are too happy about this season or how they played. I mean, there is absolutely no reason in the middle of February to lose two straight games to Georgia Tech and then get smoked by a not a even very good Clemson team. There's no reason for that in the middle of February. I mean, they're 24 and six now with a chance to win the ACC, which is remarkable to me. But Louisville, I feel like, is a team or after. When they are, when they are at their best, they're they're going to be hard to stop because I feel like they have all the pieces. I feel like they have enough talent there to make a deep run, where they're going to be tough for other teams. I do think that about them. I do, but the major thing is Jordan Nora doesn't show up for a lot. I mean, in those two losses, he had a combined. Seven points. You can't be letting that happen when he's not only supposed to be the best player on the team, but one of the best players in the country. You know, preseason player of the year in the ACC. Jornora worries me quite a bit for this Louisville team because there, I mean, there be games where he turns it on, and but a lot of games this year where he, he just doesn't want to show up. And if that's the case, and that's Louisville's main Achilles heel, is if Jordan Nora doesn't, if you guard him well enough, you keep him from scoring, then you are more than likely going to win that game against Louisville. And Louisville, another major thing that I see with them is the, the guard play. And that go really goes back to last year of not very having capable guards. This year, you know, Darius Perry has struggled. Lamar Kimball, Lamar Fresh Kimball hasn't been as good as I think maybe the staff has thought. Or maybe not as good as the staff may have thought he was going to be. Ryan McMahon shoots it well, but not every single game. He has a lot of off nights. So if you look at it like that, then 
you know, you're just, well, why, I mean, what's going on? Why haven't they improved? And I think that's, they just haven't gotten better. Darius Perry has not gotten better since his freshman year here. He just hasn't. Like, I don't want to bash anyone, but he he just he hasn't gotten any better. He started most of the season. He's only averaging like six points and two assists a game. I mean, where's he been? He hasn't done anything. Aside from maybe one game where he shot it well and they scored good points. So, again, this guard play, going back to last year, hasn't been great. It's cost them games. They don't have any, really anyone to facil- felicitate the ball and or, you know, control the game when they need it. I thought they had solved that problem this year with David Johnson, but he's just a freshman. He has a great build. You know, he's 6'5", 210 for a guard. But he, he's a freshman. He turns the ball over a lot. He just isn't the same. That it is, I don't feel like he's, when I thought he was the answer, I don't think he's the answer now. And um, again, he's just a freshman in a lot of turnovers. He's, 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 he's going to be really good in the future. I just don't think he's a guy you can really lean on, especially this late in the year. I'll give you minutes, but just not a guy you can lean on. And this leads me to the major difference I see in this UK team versus the UVL team. UK, one of the main reasons why I'm still really, that I'm still confident and still hopeful for this team is that with their talent, they've been able to maximize it this year. They've been able to do what they can to the best of their ability. Even if they're gonna struggle as freshmen, that's fine. They do what they need they they do what they need to do. They don't you know they don't get upset or mad. They just play to their strengths on what they can do already. And they're doing the best that they can. They are. This Kentucky bench, while it's you know not the greatest in the world, they get it done on a high level. You do the small things. The Louisville team, you can't say the same. They have a lot of talent, maybe even more so than Kentucky does. And then they lose to teams like Georgia Tech and Clemson. And you're left wondering, well, why is this happening? Then with UofL, again, the major difference that I see is that they they don't maximize the talent that they have. Again, Darius Perry is only averaging six points and two assists a game. Fresh Kimball is not averaging much more. Ryan McMahon's only averaging nine points a game, which is okay, but it's not the best. I mean, you just you haven't been able to count on the guards. And Jordan Orr, I've you know I've watched some Louisville games this year, and I watched him against Kentucky. He likes to sit around the perimeter a lot. He doesn't like to move around a lot. He likes to take threes a lot. He checks out a lot. And I think 
that's one of the major differences that I've seen between at least this UK team and the Uvelve team is that I just feel like Uvelve's not really maximizing the talent that they do have. It hasn't really given... When's the last time Aiden Gahan has played in the Irish Hulk? When's the last time he's played? Has Josh Nickelberry been getting any playing time? I don't think he has. Has Quinn Selinski been getting playing time? Not a lot. And the whole talk about Louisville going to the season was a Super 6, and not a lot of players from that Super 6 are getting playing time. One of the major guys they were talking about, Samuel Williamson, who are they were talking up to be a potential one-and-done type player, hasn't been that guy. Far from it, actually. So, again, this Louisville team is just not maximizing what they have. At least with Keon Brooks, he's coming in, getting you tough rebounds, you're getting you put-back dunks, or or put-back tip shots. I mean, Samuel Williamson's not even doing that a lot. So... This Louisville team, I feel like, can make a deep run, but they're also a team that can also lose in the second round. And you could really make that argument for anyone this year. I mean, you look at it, and then the season, right, and how you know topsy-turvy it's been, how crazy it's been this year, you could be literally the best team in the country and losing the second round because everyone is it, there's not a lot of you know great teams but there's a lot of good teams and you can just lose in second round. I guess so what you weren't expecting. I mean you could I mean that's the I mean that could be, you know, again, you know, that could be, you know, this how crazy it's been. Anyone can win, anyone can lose, it could be good for you. It can also be very bad, depending on, I guess, who you match up with in the NCAA tournament. So, again, Louisville can make a deep run. Is this? I don't feel like they can, because I don't think they're going to get enough from the talent that they have. I don't feel like they're playing to everyone's playing to their best of the ability. And, you know, honestly, here's the thing. I mean, I, as a Kentucky fan, I think it would be um, quite the interesting story if Louisville made it all the way to the Final Four. And I just found this out yesterday. You know where the Final Four is going to be next year? Atlanta. You know where? You know why Atlanta's significant in the Final Four? Because that's where Louisville won their vacated 2013 National Championship. So, I mean, it wouldn't it be kind of fitting for Louisville to make a Final Four and almost, you know, win it? Wouldn't that be quite the story? I mean, I feel like it would be. But again, you just don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know with Kentucky, and I really don't know with this Louisville team. And going back to Kentucky, and I'll leave everyone off with a positive note, or at least try to, if you're a Kentucky fan is that if there's any consolation, I mean, we had the same record as Duke. <laughs> I mean, that's always good. I mean, it's not like Duke's out playing us. But, 
you know, we are not out of it. There's always greener pastures. We'll be fine. I feel like our Kentucky's going to be fine. I don't think it's the end of the world. Some people may act like it on social media. Don't listen to those people. I think we'll be okay. I think Ashton will be okay. Hopefully, Cal and Ashton can have a heart-to-heart or something. Maybe kind of fix things. You know, fix up anything that's been broken. And they can move on. Hopefully beat Florida on Saturday and get a good run going in the SEC tournament and then lose again. Or, you know, get into the NCAA tournament and then hopefully, you know, be ready for that. And just be happy where we are, where Kentucky is. Because there's one point in the season where I wasn't even sure if we were going to get, you know, I mean, I mean, I wasn't even sure about this team. But I just, you know, I feel like there's one point where I thought this team was just going to fall apart. And then, but here we are. I mean, here Kentucky is now. 24 and 6, 14 and 3 in the SEC. They've won regular season SEC champs. There's a lot to look forward to, I think. I think if if we work everything out, I think we're in, we're due for a deep run. We're due for a trip to the final four. I think I don't think it's over. And don't I, I don't act like it is. And I go for Louisville fans too. It's not over, you know. Kind of refocused after losing two, you know, two weeks in a row against really bad, you know, a Georgia Tech team and a Clemson team. I think Louisville is okay. I think, I think, uh, I think Louisville again, you know, as as a fan, be hopeful, and as you know, me, just thinking, I, you know, they have a chance. So, just be. Happy where the team is on both sides, Kentucky and Louisville. And again, just realize that everyone else also has bad losses. It's not just Kentucky or Louisville, everyone does. There's been multiple days this year where multiple ranked teams have lost to unranked teams. I mean, just last night, Maryland loses to Rutgers. By 11, Iowa loses to a 16-14 Purdue team last night. A 19th or 18th ranked Iowa loses last night. So, I'm just, just, again, just realize everyone else has losses. And if if you're an optimist and if you want to look, you know, be positive about the future for both teams... Everyone else, again, bad losses. Everyone else has been losing. And I'll say this. I mean, I'd be if everyone else was handling business at this point of the year and, you know, winning the games that they that they should win, then I would be more a lot more um pissed off than I'd be. But the fact that not you know, everyone has flaws I feel pretty good about Kentucky. I feel pretty good we can make a deep run because 
this should this should be a year where we take this opportunity where everyone's not that good and run with it and go all the way to the national championship. That's just how I feel about it. It should be one of those years. But again, I could be I could seriously be wrong. You know, I mean it it's just I just, you know but again I just feel good about your team. That's all I could really say. And to finish off this episode I just want to say thank you to those who have listened so far. You know, listened to the last episode. Those who are going to, you know, hopefully listen to this episode. Seriously, I, you know, for people who listen, I can't thank you enough. And I know Tim appreciates it. I know Gavin also appreciates it when he's on. So, and definitely, um, just to get some couple house cleaning things out of the way, there will be another bracket prediction show right now i'm not the logistics haven't been really worked out for it yet but right now i do want to do a show with tim my mom and my brother as we you know make our predictions on the bracket don't know if gavin's gonna be in town for that or if he's gonna be joined for that that's still to be determined but nonetheless still gonna do a bracket prediction show um, so, again, look, look forward to that, that's going to be on the day of the selection Sunday, as we're either going to do it after the selection Sunday show, if, as long as we can get a bracket, or we might do it during, and, you know, of course, call out the brackets as soon as get released, which I think is a kind of a, I think that's a kind of a neat idea, but, again, you know, logistics haven't, logistics haven't been figured out, but we're, Definitely doing another um, bracket prediction show for the NCAA tournament. And definitely, I'm going to be doing a lot more episodes as uh, Kentucky and Louisville both uh, finish their regular seasons, finish the conference tournaments. Definitely be getting more stuff out there because this is honestly my favorite time of the year as far as, um, as, far as sports is concerned. So... I definitely want to, going to be talking a lot more. Definitely getting more stuff out there, and uh, just seriously, just a lot more stuff to look forward to. And as I share, so we're geared up for some of the you know funnest basketball you ever see all season. So again, thank you for listening. And my name is Tara Goff, and this has been the Man Cave Sports Podcast. Just want to thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. And if you want to follow us on our social media, you can find us on our Facebook page at Man Cave Sports Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Man Cave Sports Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Man Cave Podcast. We're uploading stuff every single day. You should definitely check it out. And again, thank you guys so much for stopping by.